Well, it is our Independence Day, as has already been pointed out, and and uh, not that we need any reminding. If you're like me, you've been you've been hearing it uh, each night for about the last I don't know week or so in the neighborhood. Uh, people uh, celebrating Independence, you know, not wanting to wait until July Fourth to shoot off their fireworks and stuff, and so. Uh, uh, Stacy has been turning up the TV last night. She said, hey, it's a good night for an action movie. And uh, she said, let's turn up the volume so the dog doesn't get spooked here by what's going on in the neighborhood. But yeah, we're celebrating our independence. It's a time for fireworks display. Uh, this is a scene from uh, one of Nashville's fireworks displays in years past. And I'm sure they will have... Uh, no small crowd tonight uh, when they gather to celebrate our nation's independence. We've had uh, fireworks here Friday night, uh, last night I think at Gordonsburg, uh, down at the Gordonsburg Church of Christ. They, they had their fireworks display that they gather for each year. And so uh, we are celebrating now 245 years since our nation declared its independence from England and its king. So 245 years ago that some people got together and wrote a very nice piece of literature and said, we're done with this. Uh, we're not going to serve this king any longer. People like their freedom, don't they? We've had some discussion this morning about freedom and about the freedoms that we enjoy that we should not take for granted. Tom mentioned uh, the countries that have Buddhism, and so it, it worth repeating or worth mentioning that uh, where, where Ashok is in India, you know, his nation, a nation of between 1.3 and 1.4 billion people, and yet only about 3% are Christians. Because Buddhism is the primary religion of that country. And so all of the work that they're doing, we have to realize they're swimming upstream. They are working against their culture. Uh, it's, not the, it's not the same for people like Alfred in West Africa and, uh, and uh, Fernando in Central America. A lot more acceptance of Christianity in those countries. But you think about what's going on in India and they are very much going against the grain of their culture. And so, uh, we, but we, we like our freedom. Uh, we like having control of our decisions and control of our actions, control of what we do. And Jesus talks about being free in John chapter 8. I invite you to join me there beginning with verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? 
Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, the folks listening are saying, Hey, we're descendants of Abraham, we are free. Not always the case, was it, church? After all, those descendants of Abraham uh, found themselves in Egyptian captivity once upon a time. And they were in Egyptian captivity for a very, very long time. And God heard the cries of His people. And in the book of Exodus, we read of... God calling Moses, God sending Moses, and then Moses leading the people from captivity. Because God hears the cries of his people, and God sets his people free from the bondage they're under. And so, just as uh, in the first covenant, they had Moses, in the new covenant, we have Jesus, don't we, church? And so, the most probably well-known verse from that section we just read is John 8, 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. A guy named Elisha Granville Sewell knew the truth that Jesus was referring to. Elisha Sewell... Uh, lived in East Nashville, what we now know as East Nashville. He was an elder and preached often at the Russell Street Church of Christ, a church that, oddly enough, uh, is now a hotel. Uh, and so, uh, but he preached there for a, a number of years, was an elder in that congregation, was one of the co-editors of the Gospel Advocate, a well-known publication within Churches of Christ for many years. And uh, Elisha Sewell, I had forgotten this, but, uh, but I, I read this. I mean, I, I reminded myself of this, that uh, when I, before I came here, some years ago, looking at the history of this congregation, and uh, in the late 1800s when this congregation began, it was Elisha Sewell, along with fellow editor of the Gospel Advocate, David Lipscomb, who came down from Nashville to preach the first gospel meeting for this congregation. So, I don't know if they came by train or if they came by horse and buggy. Uh, I don't know the mode of transportation, if they were on horseback, uh, what, what, how they got here. But uh, Brothers Lipscomb and Sewell preached here in Hohenwald and for this congregation. But Elisha Sewell understood the truth that Jesus was getting at. Because the truth that Jesus is referring to when speaking to those folks in Judea, he's saying... He's saying the truth that you need to come to understand is that I am the Son of God. That's what he wanted them to understand. And so Elisha Sewell, a guy who lived to the age of 94, died in 1937, 
But uh, at, at the age of 87, he writes this in the Gospel Advocate. And I want to read this quote. And I, said all, I say all that just to set up the fact that this is somebody, when he says, I've heard many sermons, uh, it, he's writing this at the age of 87. Trust me, church, he had heard many sermons. Okay, He says, quote, I have heard many otherwise excellent sermons on faith in which the effect was almost lost because of failure to make prominent the object of faith, Jesus as the Son of God. The faith that saves men is not faith in an indefinite something, nor faith in one's ability to keep the commandments better than others. Nor faith in the correctness of one's understanding of the scriptures. But faith in Jesus as the Son of God. Therefore, since all our hopes depend so entirely on faith in Christ, it follows that the kind of preaching most needed now and always is the kind that holds up Christ in such a way as to lead people to come to him in love and faith. There is a great difference between mentioning or referring to Christ occasionally in a sermon on the one hand, and making him the central theme of the sermon as the apostles did on the other hand. End quote. And so, Brother Sewell is on to something there. He is expressing that he knows the truth that Jesus is referring to in John 8. When Jesus says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Why do we need to be set free, church? Because we, without Christ, are slaves to sin. We are under the bondage of our own sin. John 8.34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Romans 6, 16-18, Paul writes this, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. At church, that's good news. That's the best news of all, isn't it? You see... Matthew 27, verse 50. Then Jesus shouted out again and he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who were raised from the dead after Jesus who had died, excuse me, were raised from the dead after Jesus' resurrection. They left the cemetery, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. 
the Roman officer, some translations say the centurion there, and other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, truly this was the Son of God. I've always appreciated that. That pagan onlookers, pagans, looking at the events of that dark day, had enough understanding to say, truly, this was the Son of God. And i got to tell you, church, I was tempted to use Mark's account, because he leaves off that spooky stuff about bodies rising and people going into the holy city Jerusalem and, and being you know making an appearance with people. And uh, we have to understand Matthew is making the point that the resurrection of Jesus brings about the resurrection of his people. Let me say that again. Matthew's making the point that the resurrection of Jesus brings about the resurrection of his people. Just as the tearing of the temple curtain signifies uh, that the way to God is now open. It is now open to all. It's no accident that 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 curtain, that veil in the temple was torn in two. And we're specifically told from top to bottom. In other words, it wasn't a slight tear. It was completely torn, completely separated. And if you don't know the significance of that curtain, only the high priest one day a year could go beyond that curtain. No one else was allowed to go back there. They would tie something to his leg so that if something happened to him back there they needed his body they could pull it out without going back there because it was against strict rules of the old covenant and so and so now that temple has been torn completely in half signifying the old covenant is done away with The new covenant is here. Your sins, all of humanity, have now been atoned for. In other words, church, we had our Independence Day. An Independence Day like no other. An Independence Day where we can say we hold our allegiance to the one true king. The only king that ultimately matters. And church, that is the best news of all. It's good news for us. It's good news for all of humanity. And so we need to go about our lives in such a way that we live like children of the king. Church, what do I say about saved people? They need to act like saved people, don't they? Yeah. Saved people need to act like saved people. We need to be people who have joy in our lives, even in the midst of sorrow. Because we know that this earth is not our home. 
there's going to be there are going to be trials. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be difficulties. There's going to be pain. We're going to be separated from people we love because they pass on before we do. There are times that we're going to hurt. Some of you know what it's like to live with a chronic condition. I saw my dad suffer from back pain for years. And I used to pray, Oh Lord, help me not to have back pain. Well, now i got back pain. Struggle with sciatica sometimes. And then I figured out the more miles I walk, the less my back hurts. So yeah, I'm motivated to get out every day if I can and walk three, four, five miles, whatever I have time for to overcome that. But I'm determined it's not going to keep me down for as long as it's, you know, manageable. But some of you know what it's like to deal with pain every day. Some of you know what it's like to deal with loss of someone very, very close to you. A spouse, a child, a sibling. The best friend a person could ever ask for. Looking at the faces of people that know that it's not all rosy on this side of glory. But church family, we gained our independence on that day that Jesus rose from the grave. And we are now independent from sin. We're still going to sin. But we approach God with a repentant heart for all of those transgressions. Everything we've done wrong. And we can rest assured that we are a forgiven people. A people that need to learn to forgive ourselves just as our Savior forgives us. A people that have to learn to forgive others just as we are forgiven. Church family, let's live like people who are independent of the bondage of sin because we are free indeed. If you're with us this morning and you have not yet made that declaration that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that confession that... uh, Tom mentioned earlier that Peter made all those years ago. That confession that our faith is built on. That confession that our church is built on. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then we invite you to take advantage of the invitation. Because the opportunity awaits for you to change your life for all eternity. And if you're here today... And there's something that you're dealing with that you would just appreciate the prayers of a caring body of people. Then we open the invitation for that reason also. That you can come and say, I'm dealing with some stuff. And I would just appreciate people having my back in prayer to our Lord and Savior. Then we offer the invitation for that reason also. Let's stand together and sing. Oh,